May the Lord bless you all very greatly. God pour many blessings upon you all, brothers and sisters of the Church of God, Ministry of Jesus Christ International, and also those newcomers and our first-time guests, and receive that blessing from our God. And when we sing to the Lord, we feel like we are there with Him, like the brother before me said. Imagine how eternity will be like with Him. Marvelous! And so, we must continue forward in the fight. We have a constant fight every day of our life. We are fighting against an enemy. But we must carry on. And we, we should not hide. We should not give up or feel discouraged. God is power and He can do all things. We have seen the hand of God. We have seen the miracles the Lord has worked for many. For Him, there is nothing that is impossible, only that we are those who limit the hand of God. We limit the power of God with our doubts. When we are discouraged and when we think, oh, well, this is impossible. But this is why we must read the Bible, because the Bible helps us so that our faith, so that our faith, what? What is our faith? Well, our faith is that hope. The hope that we have because God has made us promises. And as we, or as He has made us promises, we are believing. We are believing God and we are here acting by obeying. And so this continues to grow, this hope, this trust in God. It grows each day that we read the Bible, because the Bible is a great treasure that God has left us with. And we are nourished, and also with the work of God, with the hand of God, we are supported on that each day in our prayers. We must pray. And there in the Bible, it tells us that prayer, prayer with trust, can do a lot of things can do a lot. And also the Lord in Psalms promises and tells us, cry out to me in the days of your trouble, in those days of difficulty and tribulation, call out to me and I will hear you. He says, I will hear you and you will honor me. And so all of these are promises God has made us and this is why there is no need to feel discouraged or lose heart or to believe that everything has been lost. We must continue forward and God will give us victory. And so brothers and sisters and all people, our guests, our newcomers, you may be seated. You can get comfortable in your places and we're going to sing to the Lord our hymn that we sing and also a special greeting to all the churches who are congregating at this time. The churches here in the United States and in other countries in Colombia, not in all places in Colombia, and in Panama, not all places are open, but some are congregating. But either way, to all of you, a greeting with all of our affection, because here I am also accompanied by brothers and sisters. So today, 
It is another celebration for our God. We are celebrating with the Lord. It is a feast. And we're going to him sing hymn 237 titled, I'll live for him. And so our love, our life, we give to our Lord. Let us sing with all of our heart, with great joy, hymn 237. Mi amor y vida doy a ti, Jesús quien en la cruz por mí, vertiste sangre carmesí, mi Dios y Salvador, mi amor y vida doy que fuiste a la cruz por mí, mi amor y vida doy a ti, Jesús mi Salvador, que tú me salvas esto sé, he puesto en ti mi Blessed and praise is the Lord. Thanks be to our God. Now, before we begin today with the sermon that we have prepared, and it is the continuation of what we went over last week in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 concerning the spiritual gifts, before then, I'm just going to answer a question that I have been asked, and I think this is coming from newcomers who are asking this question, and since it was several questions, I'm going to answer, of course, 
With your permission, we're kind of straying a little bit away from 1 Corinthians, and it's concerning the tithing. And they ask, and this is why I say perhaps these are newcomers who do not know the doctrine well. They ask, why should the tithe exist today if that was back in the time of the law of Moses and the law of Moses was made null on the cross of Calvary? So I want to say to you that if you read the Bible, you will find in Genesis when God taught Cain and Abel in the story I'm sure God taught probably Adam as well everything that needed to be done and all the laws, all of the laws and their moral values, virtues, all of that, I'm sure God taught Adam so that in due time he would teach the following generations to know God, to have God, to honor him and praise him. But there we find the story of Cain and Abel where it says that they would give their offerings, which is the same as the tithing, because they would tie in the tithing and the offering together to offer homage to the Lord and praise Him with this offering. Now, what would they do with that tithing and that offering? Well, in antiquity, it was burned because generally the offering and the tithing, it would be spices or fruits, seeds, and animals, and that was burned and offered to the Lord. And so... The rem whatever remained in the offering or what they burned, it was for the priests. But with Cain and Abel, as in that time there were no priests at the moment, I'm sure they would burn the entire offering. And it was said that Cain, or Abel, offered the best to God, while Cain, he would not give so willingly, and he would not give the best things to God. In the offering and the tithing, he would not offer the best things. And so there we begin to see that the law of Moses, it had not begun as of that moment. And then we continue and we find the story of Abraham, which says that God gave him victory. He won some battles. And in gratitude, he was walking along the way and he encountered the high priest Melchizedek and he did not know who he was or where he had come from where this high priest, this king of Salem, where he had come from, and Abraham gave the tithing to him of all of the spoils that he had won in the battles he overcame. There, we also find that the law of Moses had not begun. The law had not begun or started. And who taught Moses? Moses gave the tithing. Who taught him? God. God was who taught them what they needed to do. Then later on, we find Jacob, who too makes a promise to the Lord because God revealed himself to him in dreams. And Jacob said, well, here on this stone, this rock, this is the house of God, this, this stone where I have laid my head, because it says he laid his head and he had a vision where he saw a ladder ascending into the heavens and angels ascending and ascending, and God was seated there and made him promises, spoke to Jacob. And Jacob too, he made a promise to him and said, of all the goods that you have given me, of all that you give me throughout my life, I will give you that 10th part. Who taught Jacob this? Well, God himself, because the law of Moses had not yet begun. 
And so that is how. So I hope that this is clear for those who ask these questions. And I congratulate you because you are reading the Bible, or at least you are listening to the teachings. And so in this manner, those people gave their tithe. So the tithing, the offering, it is something that is not included within the law of Moses. Only that when the law of Moses did begin, began, and all the rules and, and uh, judgments that the Lord gave Moses, well, naturally, of course, the tithing and the offering continued on, which was for the sustenance of the priests. The tribe of Levi that God had elected at, for to be priests, and they were working throughout the whole land of Israel in their position and role of priests, God told them not to work physically, but that they would be living off of the tithing and the offering so that they could do the, the work that God had entrusted them with. And later, when we read in Malachi, when we read in the book of the prophet Malachi, we find that the book of Malachi is a book that corresponds to the last prophets. Those prophets who then prophesied after Jerusalem had been destroyed and the people of Israel had, or God terminated them from his presence, many died physically and many also turned away from God or God had turned away from them. And this is when the Savior comes. But when the Lord, he brings back from Babylon his remnant, from back from Babylon, he brings them back to Jerusalem to once again rebuild the temple because the Messiah would come and they needed to have a temple prepared, a physical temple, because the law of Moses ought to have continued until the appearance of the Savior, the Messiah, on earth to be able to carry out his work of the good tidings of salvation. So that is how the Lord then sends those prophets, Haggai, Micah and Malachi, they are one of the last few prophets who prophesied after, after the destruction of Jerusalem. So they, their prophecies were now for those latter days, speaking very clearly on the coming of the Messiah and on what God was going to do with the people of Israel because they were not following the orders and commands and following the law as God had left it, but they had completely strayed away from it, strayed away from fulfilling the laws of the Lord and the laws of Moses. And so this is why in Malachi it says that the people, they have, they have committed a theft, they have not committed the tithing, they have not given their tithing. And our Lord Jesus Christ, when he comes, he comes and fulfills all the laws of the, of the law. But he continues on with the good tidings of salvation. The commandments of our Lord continue to be valid. The only thing that has come to an end are all those rules that God gave Moses so that the people could follow through with certain rituals. They were burdens that the people themselves could not fulfill. But our Lord, as he knew the hardness of their heart and the foolishness of the people, this is why he placed even more burdens that they could not carry. But those burdens have been removed on the cross of Calvary. And after that, 
comes the Holy Spirit. He is who continues. The Holy Spirit is the one who begins to guide his church, to lead his people, to be with the people. And that is by God's promise that he would be sending the Holy Spirit to be with the believers, his followers of the gospel. And so that is how we have been taking advantage of the Holy Spirit since that time for over 2,000 years. And the Holy Spirit is the one in charge of teaching the doctrine and teaching people to give the tithing. And he teaches people to give the offering. He teaches people to live a holy, upright life. He teaches people what they should do and what they shouldn't do. What is wrong and what is good? The Holy Spirit is guiding, guiding the believers. He taught, the Lord taught the apostles. And they, at the same time, they worked in their time and era but the Holy Spirit continues to teach because there are more generations coming and things are becoming more modern and evolving. New things are coming in, technology and science continues to advance. And so the Holy Spirit is there to teach and correct so that people do not twist the path of our Lord, so that the believers are steadfast and faithful and continue to do God's will. This is the beautiful part. This is a beautiful thing that the Holy Spirit has been doing. He's been guiding. And we, as a witness that it's been now over 50 years that this marvelous work, this church has had first begun, the Holy Spirit was always teaching us many things. And to all the people coming for the first time, first-time guests that were of other religions or a, were a part of traditional religions, the Holy Spirit taught them to give the tithing. He taught them concerning the water baptism. He taught them what a marriage was like and how they needed to lay on hands. All of these things the Holy Spirit taught us. Even knowing how to lay on hands and praying for a person and giving prophecy to a person, all of that the Holy Spirit taught us because we completely ignored how it should be and he would teach us and he would teach people how to give the tithing and people share there are many testimonies that people share concerning the tithing that they didn't want to give the tithing that for them that didn't exist that it had already been finished this is now no longer what you should be doing no longer in style but the holy spirit taught them and how beautiful it would be for some people, men and women, brothers and sisters, who have lived those experiences to share their testimony with us so that we may upload that testimony onto our page so that you can all see the way in which God has been manifesting himself and teaching us all of things. And even the smallest of things that we need to do in the church, the Holy Spirit teaches us. And another thing is there are people who are very foolish and, and stubborn and disobedient and do not want to submit to God's will nor do the Lord's will. But the Lord, the Holy Spirit, has always been teaching and guiding us. And this is my answer that I give to those who are asking this question concerning the tithing. That today, we do not live the law of Moses, but we are living the law of the gospel, the Holy Spirit, and He is who has taught us that we must continue to give the tithing and the offering. That was the first thing that the Lord spoke about. The Lord said so. And so, as a testimony, I do share with you that over 50 years ago, it's been more than 50 years since the time the Holy Spirit spoke to us for the first time through, through prophecy and through visions and dreams. He spoke to us. And he said to us, in concerning when it comes to the money, in that time, there was no money other than for the necessary things. There was only enough money to just live life. 
And so the Lord would say from this small fold, and I remember it was only four of us praying, he said from this small fold, I will make a very big church, great here in Colombia and in the world, abroad. I will create a great congregation. And we never understood. And thanks, God, it is your word. You spoke it. We don't understand how it will be. We don't know how this will be. We've never lived this experience. And the years have gone by. The years went by and people started to join. And they would join our group until days later, it was 20, then 30. And then continuously, they would continue to join us. And the Holy Spirit would bring people, give them the spiritual gifts, God making promises. God was sustaining us with his word, with his promises, with his support. And God has given his support. The Lord said in that time, I will create a great church. You'll need to travel a lot. And you will never lack the money you need, for I will give in abundance. That's what he would say. I will give you money in abundance. And you will have no need or you will not lack anything to be able to do all the things that you need to do to be able to evangelize. And I thought to myself, well, will the Lord allow us to win a lottery? Will we win the lottery here? No, that's what I thought. And even to this day, I, 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 I was still waiting for the lottery. I haven't won it yet. But the lottery is actually the Lord. What better lottery than Him? What better reward than our God? And so our God has been fulfilling. He has been fulfilling His promise to this day to His church, His congregation. The Lord has provided the money to be able to buy the churches, to be able to build the churches, to be able to buy the land for the churches. All of that is the churches. All of that is in the name of the church, but as you know the church, as it, there's also when you when you have the, the the closing papers and the documents, there needs to obviously be a human being behind that to be able to sign off, because the church, it, you know, for it's a legal entity. It's it's there's no invisible signatures that exist. You need somebody that represents the church, but the laws are there, organized. And everything has, is in order. So you know what the devil has done, brothers and sisters. What the devil has done is he's looked at the properties of the church. And in some time, I was placed as a legal representative at some time. And as I was a legal representative, I would sign. But then they said that I was the owner of all of those churches, not just in Colombia and the United States and everywhere else abroad, they said, this woman, Maria Luisa, she's a millionaire. People forget all of those details. They forget what a business is like and who has to sign off on a business. Probably the CEO or the manager or the president of the company signs off on documents. But then that person maybe leaves and someone else replaces them and that's the person who then continues to sign so for people to then kind of have an idea let's not be ignorant in this aspect of going to judge because that is the devil the devil in this way he uses 
that to come against the church out of envy because he has seen the growth and the prosperity, the spiritual and material prosperity of the church. So he's envious and doesn't know what else to make up against us to destroy spiritual lives and destroy the church. But that will never happen because God has told us that will never happen. It will never happen. But yes, as a testimony, as I shared, God fulfilled. God has provided. He has given all the money needed so that the church grows in many places because there are many places, many towns and cities where there are people, there's, there's shortage of money and people are poor. And so the church needs to sustain those places. But what's important is that people are getting to know the path of the Lord. What's important are those souls, those hearts that worry about seeking God. They have no money. There's poverty in that city, that town, or that country. But the church that God has given has been there, has been placed at least to help them pay for the rent for where they congregate. And so they are happy, praising God, glorifying our God. And so this that's it, brothers and sisters. This is why God has continued to teach this matter of the tithing and of the money. The Holy Spirit has been the one teaching. And so no one can say it is us, that we have threatened them or forced them to do these things. It is the Spirit of God. And so there are many testimonies, brothers and sisters. I don't want to go over the time today, but I do remember once there was a person who had their tithing. He had, let's say, about $100 to go and bring as a tithing to the church. And he was walking down the street when he found a beggar. And the beggar asked him for food, asked him for something. And he didn't have anything but the $100 for his tithing. And he said, okay, well, maybe I'll give him a part of the tithe. Of the tithe. So he took two bills to give to the beggar. And so then he had only $98 left. So he went to the church. He handed over his tithing, and then some days went by, and while he was in the worship service, someone gave him prophecy. And this person gave him prophecy and said, when you have to give something or gift someone with something, do so out of your own money. Do not do so with what belongs to me. So he told him why he had taken out of that tithing to give to that person. He said, do so out of your own account and not of what corresponds to me. The Lord spoke to him clearly and only he knew that. That was a secret he had. And how did the Holy Spirit or how the Holy Spirit came and taught him? So the testimonies, there are thousands of testimonies, but I hope that the brothers and sisters, they share their testimonies and we will then upload them onto our page so that when you have some time, you can go on and watch those testimonies and you too can edify your spiritual life and learn to teach other people who maybe perhaps ignore this and ask these questions. So we all have to be taught and all will be taught by God. So God is teaching us. And very well, my dear brothers and sisters, and please excuse me, but thank you very much because I did want to clarify this point. And now we're going to open in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's go on with the continuation of chapter 12, 1 Corinthians. And we left off on verse, we read verse 10, but I would like to once again read verse 10 because I'm sure we probably forgot what we went over last week. Verse number 10, which speaks of the spiritual gifts that God would give to any person. And we were speaking of how each spiritual gift was. What was the, the role 
of each spiritual gift. And here, for example, in verse number 10, where it says, To another believer, the Holy Spirit, or, or the Lord, or God, He is the same. He does the same work in all. It says, He gives to a believer the working of miracles, which are those things that seem unattainable for men. A miracle is something that a man cannot do with their human power or with their human wisdom or with their own talents, with nothing. There is nothing that exists that they would be able to do something to make something that seems impossible. For example, we find in Acts of the Apostles, the apostle Peter was imprisoned. And there came an angel of God, an angel of the Lord, clothed as a, a guard, a prison guard, and opened the prison door and said, go, go, leave, go through this way and leave, and opened the prison door. In another, they shared that there was an earthquake, another testimony, there was an earthquake and the doors opened up and Everyone was scared and worried, but then they left, they fled, and there the Son of God also was freed in that moment. That we call a miracle. Why? It is a miracle because if a prison is closed with chains and with locks, very strong locks, very strong iron rods made with metal, who... Who could go and open something like that? No one. A person, no matter how strong they are, they can't go break a wall like this. They can't open up a hole in the wall. And so what was or what seemed impossible or what is impossible or difficult for man, that is what God does. And this we call a miracle. And that can happen in our health as well. How many people have been ill in the hospitals and they've died? They were in the ICU and intensive care, and so they disconnected them and they were dead. But then an hour later, they were revived. They resurrected. The doctor's amazed. Because why? What happened? What occurred? Well, a miracle. A miracle. Because that was not in the hands of the doctors to do. The medication didn't help. The respirators, artificial respirators couldn't help. Nothing. It was impossible for human beings to do something for that person, and God resurrected that person. We call that a miracle. Everything that is outside of human capacity, outside of human power, or of knowing or doing, that is a miracle. Anything that it could be. Now, to another prophecy, we already spoke of the gift of prophecy which I spoke to you about last week and told you to not confuse the gift of prophecy. Do not confuse that with spiritism or with divination because there are many enemies that we have who is our enemy. He places thoughts into many people and they say, well, that's divination. Oh, they're in that church. They, they are, that's divination and they're mediums. Spiritists, no, it's none of that. It is God speaking in the mouth of that person, a man or a woman. God uses their mouth, their tongue, to speak a message, to tell them deep things, private things of their life, and makes them promises, works miracles and healings, delivers them. 
God does everything in that moment in which the prophecy is being given. So this is why it is prophecy. It is that prophecy like the prophet Elijah, the prophet Ezekiel, the prophet Daniel enjoyed, the prophet Elisha, all of them, Moses, they were prophets. They spoke, God would speak through their mouth, the Holy Spirit. That is what we call prophecy. And in the gospel of the Lord, prophecy continues on because it is something that our Lord Jesus Christ promised that he would be sending his Holy Spirit. And this is why in Acts chapter 2, we find the fulfillment of that promise when it says that all of the apostles were praying together in an upper room and the Holy Spirit came and all began to speak in other tongues or other languages and they began to prophesy and they would speak to each person who was present, they would speak of their life. They were people of many other nations, many other dialects, and to each, they would give a prophetic message. God was speaking to them. God was telling them, believe in Jesus Christ, seek salvation, seek God, and happiness has arrived. Salvation has arrived to men. And so I'm sure all of that, the Holy Spirit was speaking to them in that time. And so it was fulfilled. It is true, the gift of prophecy, it is not divination, as our enemies say, but it is the Holy Spirit speaking. And so people begin to say, well, how can God speak using a sinner like myself? Well, do not equal yourself to that in saying, oh, using a sinner like myself? No, well, maybe you are a sinner, but that other person is not, not as a sinner as you. Because if the Holy Spirit is using them to give a prophetic message, well, it means that they are not a sinner, as you say. So it's that God uses hearts, sincere hearts, sincere, clean hearts that love him. He chooses them to give his Holy Spirit so that they prophesy when they lay on hands. They lay on hands and the prophecy comes and he speaks to a person. Now, he's not going to speak about their entire life because sometimes maybe you want him to speak about your entire life. And there are people who do go to mediums and fortune tellers and they say, well, I'm going to go to the fortune tellers, to the mediums, so that they may tell me what I'm going to do next week. And so that they can tell me whether or not uh, I'm being betrayed by that man or that woman. If they have another person, I want him to tell me. No, the things in our Lord are not that way. The things of God do not work that way. Our God, when he speaks to you in prophecy, it's not to tell you the past, the present, and the future, and then go off. What God wants is for you to know and to feel that there is a living God that exists. There is a God in spirit and truth. And so this God, if you suffered in your past, God tells you, you suffered. You had a very sad childhood, very painful. You suffered a lot, but here I am. I will give you happiness. I will give you peace. And in the future, I will make of you a great person because I will bless you. Continue here, believe, read the Bible, pray, seek me, and you will see I will make you happy. That is the way that God speaks of the past, present, and future, not like you imagine it there with fortune tellers. No. So God must be respected and cherished, and we must cherish the, the gift of prophecy. It is beautiful because not only does God speak to that person, but in the moment that the person is receiving the prophecy, what God is speaking to them about, the Holy Spirit is speaking through the mouth of someone else, a man or a woman, in that moment, God is also delivering you. 
cleansing you, cleansing your heart, delivering you, removing all of the evil. That is what God does with prophecy. And when you leave, you will leave happy, happy with the desire to continue to live, the desire to continue forward. You leave with the desire to come back to the church and you say, yes, I feel that God is here. Yes, I feel that God is here. God manifests himself. I want to return. That is what you feel. Because that is the gift of prophecy. It's from God, our God. Everything else, forget about those things out there. Divination and all of those things. Cast it back out there. And don't go back to those places. Do not commit or practice those things because many evil evil spirits will probably cling to your body and it'll make you go crazy. And so seek God. Come to church so that God may speak to you and comfort you and deliver you. And very well, that is prophecy. Now, in concerning discerning of spirits, we spoke about those discerning of spirits. And also, there was someone who actually did write to me and say, they say, sister, well, I asked somebody, I asked a brother how the gift of discerning works. Is it that I maybe stand here up front, maybe a foot away from somebody to look at someone's eyes to know who that person is and that brother answered and said no not a foot away it needs to be about a couple centimeters of distance it's a couple centimeters is about here that you needed to have a person standing right in front of you like this imagine you're you're looking straight at their eyes because just a couple centimeters away is, is not much. And that's the way that you are able to know who they are and that you have the gift of discernment to be able to discern that person. No, no, those are all made up things. How can you make those things up? The gift of discernment. What is discernment? It is to be able to distinguish one thing from another. I need to distinguish what is white from what is black. What, from what is good, from what is wrong, what is what I should do or what I should not. I need to distinguish what I need to do. No, we need to do things right. Oh, well, that person is doing things wrong because they're disobedient and foolish. And so you distinguish that and you say, oh, no, this person is not doing things right. This person is seeking the things of God. That is a part of discernment. It is to distinguish and to know, to know, to know the spirits. Now, we all are spirits, and you all, I don't know how many people are tuned in, but in this moment, we have about 43,000 that are watching. There are 43,000 spirits. Well, I mean, tuned in because sometimes in each location, there are multiple people. Now, I'm just talking about whoever clicked on to watch and connected. But there are many more because in each home, maybe in your living room, there's maybe five, maybe in another place, 10 or eight or three. I don't know. Well, each of us, we are a spirit. The spirit God has given us our personality. We are spirit. Now, let's not talk about the evil spirits that maybe come into our bodies. That's something different. But let's talk about the spirit our body has and that God has given us. And we have a personality. We have an identity, a first and last name. And so we are a spirit. But each of us, we are also a completely different world. 
Each of us, we have different behavior. We think differently. We analyze things differently. We feel different things. Someone else maybe is a bit more modest. Another person is not. Another person is more humble. Another person is rebellious. Another person likes to talk a lot. Another person doesn't like to talk. So each person has a different way of being and of doing things differently. Those are the spirits. And so it's discerning of spirits. So when God gives the gift of discerning of spirits to a brother or a sister in the church, it is for a spiritual help to these people because I'm sure these people come and they come not only with the spirit God has given them as a person, as the identity that they have, but also many other spirits and demons and witchcraft that perhaps they carry have attached to them. And so the behavior of this person is a, disa a disaster. And so maybe they're a liar. Maybe they kidnap and do so many bad things. And they come to church. They're invited. And they say, okay, well, I want them to lay on hands and pray for me. And whoever has the gift of discerning says, okay, yes, I will pray for you. And we'll look at you. We'll observe them and say, yes, you're, you're a newcomer. Oh, yes, I am a newcomer. I, I, I was invited. So that person who has a gift of discernment, they know that this person is disturbed by spirits. And so they lay on hands and rebuke those spirits. In another person, when there is witchcraft and sorcery present in that person, that person who has the gift of discerning of spirits, God shows them that this person had witchcraft and sorcery cast against them. And that because of that, they are not doing things right. They're not well situated. They're not able to coordinate things well. So they say, okay, this person has had a witchcraft sorcery done against them. I'm going to lay on hands and rebuke. Because whoever has a gift of discernment, God also gives them the power. He empowers them to lay on hands and rebuke. And so people then are delivered from those evil spirits and those bad behaviors that that person may have. That is the spiritual gift. The spiritual gift is not just to look and observe and criticize, to look and criticize and say, oh, look, yeah, that person, he did that and this, and that's it. In the past, I used to look at a person in the church and I would look at them and they would say, that young man that you see over there or that young woman, she's no longer a virgin. Oh, she's not a virgin anymore. And I, would, I, would, I was shocked. I would say, well, why is she saying that? And also, why do I care whether or not she's a virgin? And so what... What could it be that she had? Did she have discernment and God was showing her? And rather than using the gift right, she was using it to criticize and to gossip with others? To gossip? No. The gift of discernment is not for that. The gift of discernment, when God gives it to you, it is so that you may discover a person who is suffering, who is sad. That person has sadness, bitterness in their heart. They are suffering because of something. So you lay on hands. And you ask God and you say, Lord, deliver this person because you are showing me that this person is a liar. And because of their lies, they are suffering because no one is able to bear with them. No one is able to employ them. They're not accepted and they suffer. They've closed doors on them. Deliver this person. Remove these lies. Remove this disorder from this person. And so the person then says, well, how did you know this? How did you know I was a liar? Well, God revealed it to me because I have the gift of discernment. Glory to God.
So the gift of discernment, the Lord does not give it just to any person just because. The gifts God gives to people, it is so that people change. So that the person who has the spiritual gift also changes and lives a holy, upright life, perfect life before God. And in that manner, God is able to perfect that spiritual gift. He perfects that gift so much and uses that person, supports them. That's it. So the gift of discernment is that in the church, they pray, you pray for people, you greet them. Sometimes you hear a certain guidance from people. There, in that guidance, you also get to know that person and how their life is and what is happening. And so what you need to do is pray, lay on hands and ask God to deliver. That is the gift of discernment. But the gift of discernment is a gift that requires great dedication to God and holiness. And I, as I said to you, do you think a person who is a gossiper, a talebearer, is God going to give them that gift and show them the secrets of other people to then use it to spread with others? That that person did that or, or that person was this way? I would flee from that. I would say, Lord, please help me from never being that way. That doesn't please me. Why should you have to talk out loud the things that are only concerning that person and not everyone else? So I would observe that. I would observe all of those things. And this is why I would say, well, that's why the Lord doesn't give the spiritual gifts this way, because we're not prepared. People are not prepared. Women and men are not prepared to receive all of these spiritual gifts in perfection. Now, the Lord out of pure mercy gives us the spiritual gifts, but we want more. We want more more perfection but the lord does not give it because our flesh is weak and we're always failing the lord and this is why the lord does not use us in the perfection that we desire but while we live while there is life there is hope so we must fight fight every day fight if you say you can't fight so that those spiritual gifts come to your life Fight so that those spiritual gifts are perfect in your life. Fight for that. And that is all in concerning to discerning of spirits. And of course, to another different kinds of tongues. Well, people who sometimes speak other tongues, but these tongues are praise and worship to our God. And this is why it is difficult to understand. It is also difficult for there to be interpreters. But either way, we are happy and content just with the gift of prophecy that is sufficient and the gift of discernment too because the brothers and sisters come and say sister i saw this i feel this about this certain person so i say pray lay on hands on that person because if god is showing you it's so that you pray and lay on hands and let's do that and so how beautiful that is but with the tongues their interpretation there have been some interpreters that i know of but the message that those tongues speak they are just worship to God. It is just worship to God, words of worship and praise. That is the tongues. So there are people who speak more tongues than others. And so you should not be worried about that. Yes, of course, we want and we would love to constantly speak tongues consistently because that, that's when you feel God is with you. And if we don't speak tongues, we say, oh, well, the Lord has distanced himself from me. He's left me. I at least have gotten used to speaking in tongues, and I always speak in tongues. 
And the day that I pray and I don't speak in tongues, I feel sad and I say, oh, the Lord must be upset with me today. But no, that's not it. But that is a gift that God gives people. And here, verse 11, now we'll go to verse 11. Well, but also someone asked that to receive the Holy Spirit, what do you feel? What is the manifestation or how does it begin or the... The symptom, I suppose, we could say, of receiving the Holy Spirit. What does it feel like when you receive the Holy Spirit? Well, you feel heat. You feel joy, happiness. And you feel a lot of heat over your body. And so the body begins to sway. The arms begin to sway. Your hands begin to sway. Your body sways from one side to the other. That is when the Holy Spirit is coming over that person, when he's about to baptize them in the Spirit. When he's baptized them in the Spirit, later on when you're in the worship service and the Holy Spirit comes upon you, will you continue the same way, with the same movements? You, you speak in tongues. You feel happiness and joy. That is what you feel. There are people who, when they are very bound, they have a lot of evil bonds. They have the desire to, to vomit. Others want to yell and cry and cough, but that's because those evil spirits are leaving them so that then the Holy Spirit may come in and possess them. And so that I share with you so that you do not get scared or you don't get worried if you come to live that experience so that you give free reins to the Spirit. You say, yes, the Holy Spirit is cleansing me because He's going to give me His Spirit. That is the manifestation. Verse 11. And all of these things, all of these spiritual gifts that we read about here, where it says that there are diversities of ministries and activities, there are different gifts, but God being one, he working with the Holy Spirit, working as the Son and as the Father, all being one, He is the one who gives all of these spiritual gifts to all people, men and women. And so in verse 11, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one, man, men or women, individually as He wills, as God wills or as the Holy Spirit wills, which is all the same. It says to each one, he distributes those spiritual gifts, those ministries, the miracles, just as God wills. Verse 12, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. So you see, this is easy to understand. So our body has many members. But it is one body, despite there being different members. Well, that is how Jesus Christ is. He is the head, and the body is the church and the believers. Verse 13, For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. So, meaning we were all baptized in the Holy Spirit, to unite us or to convert or become the body of Christ. And that body has many members. So each one of us, men and women, those who believe in the Lord, and let us, well, let's just already assume we are converted to those children of God. Those children of God are the body of Christ. And those children of God can be in many different places around the world, and they are the body of Christ, and one could be maybe a nail, the other a toe, the other uh, uh, 
a foot, another an eye, that's the body. It is said that each of us, we are the members of that body. And so this example is given or the Apostle Paul gives this illustration so that we understand how we all together as a church, we make up the body of Christ. Verse 13. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. So meaning all receive the Holy Spirit, being Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, whoever they are, they all will receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 14, for in fact, the body is not one member, but many. And in verse 15, we have the illustration. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body. Is there? Is it therefore not of the body? No, because it is a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body. No, this is not it. It says, it is therefore, is it therefore not of the body? It is a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, well, then where would you have the ear? Or where would you be? Where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? So it means you need all of those members of that body to function. You need all the believers, all the children of God, to have all of those different spiritual gifts, those ministries, those activities, everything God gives them, all of them to function and work to be able to make up the body of Christ because they all must receive all of that manifestation from God to be that perfect body, that perfect church. And so it says, but now, verse 18, but now God has set the members, each one of them in the body, just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? So it would not be then a body. It would then just be one whole leg or one eye. Verse 20. But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. So once again, here's the metaphor. There are many, of course, members in our body. There are many members in our body. We have an arm that's a member. We have a leg, it's a member. We have a toe, it's a member. Everything is a member. Our eyes, our ears, our nose. And so likewise, spiritually, we all, men and women, believers, followers of the Lord, with the spiritual gifts, it says God has united us all and made us one with his Holy Spirit. So all of us will make up one body, which is the body of Christ, or the church, which is who will celebrate the wedding with the Savior. He being the head and the body being the church, there will be a wedding celebrated in the end. But he needs to perfect his body. He will not perfect the head because he is the head. But the body must be perfected. And how? Well, with the spiritual gifts, with the ministries, with the miracles, with the works of God, the great works of the Lord. That is how these people will be perfected. Because the spiritual gifts, the manifestation God gives to people, be it prophecy or discernment or miracles or faith or wisdom and knowledge, all of these spiritual gifts to speak in tongues and interpret them, well, all of those spiritual gifts, they are needed. The believers need them to be able to perfect their spiritual lives so that they may be saints and live a righteous life. And so the Lord needs them all 
as he needs them all in the church so that the perfect church that he spoke about would be raised up, he said, without spot or wrinkle, of which he would then be betrothed to. And so this is what the spiritual gifts are for. So this is why I invite all people who say, who claim to be Christians and who read the Bible, I invite you to accept and believe in the work of the Holy Spirit. Believe in the spiritual gifts. Seek them that God may give you that manifestation, those precious, beautiful spiritual gifts, because without that, well, then you are in nothing. You're at zero. You are wasting your time. If you throw out the belief of believing in the spiritual gifts today, that the spiritual gift of prophecy exists, the gift of healing, the gift of discernment, the gift of miracles, the gift of deliverance and casting out demons, all of these gifts to speak in tongues, if you throw all of that out, well, then you are in nothing. That is all. You read the Bible and you believe in everything else except for that, well, then you're wasting your time. So I do invite you to be noble, be humble, be modest, that you cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, help me, show me, reveal this to me, show me if in fact what this woman is teaching is true or not, because I want to do your will. I want to please you. I want to follow the righteous or upright path. I want the truth. I don't want the lie. Say this to the Lord with a sincere heart and you will see how God will manifest himself in your life and will teach you, show you, bring you out of the ignorance, remove those blindfolds you have and those ties you have. That's it. I invite you. I invite you to receive these marvelous spiritual gifts which are beautiful. And here we are rejoicing with the Lord with these beautiful gifts. We don't have them all as we would like because maybe we still need to be perfected more and to reach the status God wants us to have, but we are still here in the search. We are in the search, and here in verse 20, it reads, But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. Verse 21, And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. Now, what is the Apostle Paul implying here? Well, he's saying all of the spiritual gifts, the ministries, the, the works of God, what God does, the miracles and the great things God does, the support of God, all of this is necessary in the church. Without it, the church is not the church of God. It is just another church in the bunch. It is just another church of a group of people who are saying that they read the Bible and sing and nothing more, but there is nothing truly from God. This is what the Apostle Paul is clarifying. He's saying these members of the body are so necessary and that there are some that seem to be weaker but are still necessary. This is implying that if you think, if you, if you are a believer and you read the Bible and you say, I'm a Christian, but you have not had the experience with the Holy Spirit. You were only told, oh, don't worry. You lift up your hand, and when you raise up your hand, now you're a Christian because you've accepted it. And people say, well, who accepts Jesus Christ as the Savior? And people say, oh, I accept it. They raise their hand. And so what is that? 
and that's all you were left with you were content with that you haven't advanced you haven't you haven't sought the holy spirit you haven't spoken tongues you don't have the gift of prophecy you don't have the gift of healing if you don't have that then you are missing everything you are missing everything because the body needs to be complete the foot cannot tell the head i have no need of you one hand cannot tell the other i have no need of you because everything is necessary and if the church does not have the spiritual gifts then it is not a church if they say they are body of christ they are not body of christ because they do not have the spiritual gifts they do not have the miracles and the manifestation of god they do not have the support of god so it is not the body of christ it is not the church you are then wasting your time we continue in verse 23 and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable on these we bestow greater honor and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty and the apostle is giving an illustration with our physical bodies now the apostle says well just like with our physical bodies there are some members of our body that we feel are not very presentable so we clothe and others that are weaker and so we feel they're insignificant and those we we don't clothe we don't we don't worry or pay too much attention to that member to ensure that it is clothed and so it says okay well the spiritual gifts of the holy spirit they are all necessary so if you say well in my church i was taught that since i raised my hand up i've received the holy spirit and i believe the pastor when he told me that i received the holy spirit and i have the holy spirit i believe it although i've never spoken in tongues though i've never prophesied or laid on hands or prayed for anyone i've never seen the healings or miracles of god but as the pastor told me that when i raised my hand i received the holy spirit well that's it it means that you have not truly been concerned and worried about all of the members of the body all the members of the body have a function a role and if not well for example if an arm is paralyzed and cannot do its work well then the whole body is hurt the whole body is saddened the whole body is failing just because one member is not functioning in the church we need all of the spiritual gifts in the church it's not for you just to be content with what the pastor says or you came and the pastor is here leading and we sing and and we we pray we pray and read the bible and you're just content with that no you shouldn't be content with that the body is missing many organs many members are missing in the body and so you are not the body of christ because you don't have everything completed and everything completed is with the spiritual gifts the miracles everything god gives to the believers that is what completes things and the apostle here gives us the metaphor here and a symbol with our physical bodies he illustrates it this way saying that if there's a member of our body that is not used well then everything else is weakened and everything else begins to work poorly because it's not complete the body needs to be complete every member working together one working something executing their role just as with the spiritual gifts each spiritual gifts has a role that it executes in each believer and it is needed for the spiritual growth for the spiritual life of all 
for the benefit and for the spiritual growth of people and also to please God. So it says here in verse 24, but our presentable parts, and this is speaking of those members of our physical bodies, but our presentable parts have no need, meaning there are some parts of our bodies that are more presentable than others, but it says, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. So God gave much honor to that member of our physical body, the one that lacked. He gave it to us with greater reason. And now I know how important this is, that if God is comparing our physical bodies how should our bodies be then? How should we dress the modesty that we should have when we dress? Well, with greater reason in the church, all of us together being a body in Christ, we all need to then work, execute our tasks and roles, and it is all done with the spiritual gifts. Human beings alone cannot work, cannot do anything, but the spiritual gifts, they can help. Yes. And so I would then answer a question that was asked by some pastors of other denominations. They had a question. They said, what do you do to have so many people in your congregations? What do you do? I have been working for so many years and I have only one congregation, the only one that I have which has 500 people, and it's been years, and it's only one. What do you do to have so many congregations and all of them with so many people? What do you do? And so we never realized at the time in order to give them the answer because the body, the body is complete. The body isn't missing a leg or an arm. It's not missing the nose or it's not missing anything. The body is complete. The body of the Lord. And do you know what that is? We have the spiritual gifts. The spiritual gifts God has given us. And that many brothers and sisters, believers in all the world, they are those who are working in the churches so that this body is perfect, so that this body grows and abounds. And so with those spiritual gifts God has given us, and among them the gift of prophecy, and so there has been spiritual growth and material and physical growth as well. That's it. The body is there functioning normally. It is not disabled. This body is completely working with the spiritual gifts. And we must seek the spiritual gifts. We must seek the support from God. Because that is the only thing that gives spiritual growth and that physical growth that makes the churches grow. That's the answer for those who have asked that question. A very good question. Now verse 25 reads that there should be no schism in the body. So it says that all the members of the body, they are, of course, dressed with modesty so that there isn't any schism among those members and that they each worry about each other. And yes, with the spiritual gifts, the brothers and sisters with the spiritual gifts, one maybe has the gift of healing, the other casting out demons, the other speaks in tongues and discernment and the other prophesies. So each of them 
praying for one another. There isn't any disagreements or issues, but we worry about one another, praying for one another. One has more faith than the other, the other one believes more than the other, and so on. And so that is that spiritual help because we all have those members of that spiritual body or spiritual gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 26, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Just as we rejoice when God works miracles, when God has manifested in other places by doing good things for people, delivering people, protecting and guarding people, that is beautiful. We rejoice in that. That brings us joy to see how God uses people and to all he gives the spiritual gifts. So they work, I work, and we are all together, united, working, and God manifesting himself. That's the beautiful thing. We rejoice in that. Just as it says here, all the members rejoice because all are righteous before God's eyes. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church. So the members here, you are the body of Christ. And God appointed in the church apostles, prophets. Now, if you can meet me, all help me read. Let's all read together. So it says, first, he appointed apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps administrations, varieties of tongues, etc., etc. The apostle failed to mention etc., etc., because there are still, of course, many spiritual gifts missing. Many things that are to be done and are done in the church. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Glorified is our God. So the Lord says, you, you are the body of Christ. You are members individually, a part of that body, and so this is why the Lord in the church appointed apostles, prophets, teachers, those who work miracles, those who heal, those who help, those who partake in administration. And in Ephesians, it also says evangelists, pastors, teachers, all of them, the Lord appointed in the church, in his body. For what? It is for the spiritual growth of that body so that it is a perfect church without spot or wrinkle so that all the believers may live a holy upright life before god and now here in verse 29 it says yes the apostle says are all apostles no are all prophets well no are all teachers no are all working workers of miracles no do all have gifts of healings no do all speak with tongues do all interpret no but earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. And this, of course, is for our next sermon. But the Apostle Paul is saying, now, not everyone is apostles. And this is when he said, now, if everyone was just a foot or everyone was just a leg, well, then where would the rest of the body be? Because if you're just a leg and if all were just an eye, well, then where is the rest of the body? Then it wouldn't be a body because it's just one eye. So he says, every member is needed. Every member of our body is needed. Each one carries out a role. But one does not need to belittle the other, but on the contrary, they unite and join to coordinate and do their work together well and so that the body feels well and right that is just how the spiritual gifts and the blessings work. Not all are apostles, but some are. 
Others are prophets. Others are teachers. Others are workers of miracles. Others have the gift of healing. Others speak in tongues. Others interpret. Others prophesy. Others lay on hands for healing. Others lay on hands for deliverance. Others lay on hands to remove witchcraft and sorcery. Others lay on hands for special petitions and people's needs. And so there are many spiritual gifts. There's a lot of work and many roles that these members of the body of Christ have. And they are the believers in the Lord, the followers. So in the church, the Lord appointed these spiritual gifts. Now they have not gone out of style. You cannot say this is obsolete and that it no longer exists. Do not say that because some readers of the Bible say this and they claim to be Christians. They cast this down. And you know why? Because you have not lived these experiences. And as you've not lived them, this is why you cast this down and you say, well, let's not believe. Let's say it does not exist. No, this is why I'm telling you, be humble and rather ask God to give you this manifestation and you will see how God will manifest himself in your lives and he will give you the manifestation of the Holy Spirit and its marvelous spiritual gifts. And I'm sure those wonderful gifts of our Lord will be manifested in you and your family and I'm sure in your church and congregation where you congregate. And so then you will need to change many things then change many things because God will come in to teach you. If there is a sincere heart, if the heart is sincere and upright, God will do that. God will do that. So I invite you, I invite you to discover. I invite you rather to experience these marvelous, wonderful experiences that God has given us. God now over 50 years or so now, God has spoke to us and offered us, these, offered us these marvelous blessings and we're enjoying them even till this day. And we thank our God, the honor and the glory be for our Heavenly Father. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, blessed God, powerful Lord, we give you thanks for your greatness. Thank you for your power. Thank you for all of your wonders. Your power, your wonders, your word, your faithful promises and true for existing. Thank you, Lord, for existing because you are the true God, the real God that created the heavens and the earth, that created man, men and women. You are powerful. You, God, are without equal. All must honor you. All all the millions and millions and people in the world will be humbled before your presence. They will ask you for forgiveness. They will humble themselves and cry for having not valued this very great God that we have and that you exist and that you have so much patience with us. You've had so much patience with us. And your mercy is this way. It is so great. Great is your mercy. We believe in you. We trust in you. We wait on you. We wait for you to manifest yourself and to help us and to guide us, to advise us, to deliver us. And thank you, Lord. And help us to continue forward and give us power. Empower us. Give us of your support 
so that when we lay on hands upon people that are suffering, upon those that are bound by the enemy and chained by the enemy, that they can be free. Lord, support us so that each time that we pray for people, a miracle takes place. And that you deliver and work miracles in hearts and in the lives of people and the lives of men and women, of young men and young women who are suffering today, suffering the persecution of the enemy. Lord, there are children that also suffer. The enemy has them bound and chained up as well. Many who are elderly, Many men and women that are bound by the enemy. But you, Lord, you will have mercy. And you will help us so that we may continue on with this work. And that we may be able to straighten people's lives, correct and guide, and lay on hands and pray and ask you. And you, Lord, will hear the prayer and you, Lord, will hear our pleas and our cries, and you will do your marvelous work. And this is what we wait on, eternal God. We wait on this from you, blessed forevermore. All praises are for you, Lord. We trust that you, Lord, will surprise us because you will work miracles. You will be delivering many. You will be cleansing many, removing the chains of sin and oppression and evil, and you will be delivering those who are your children. Thank you, Heavenly Father, because the promises that you have made us are great and marvelous. I ask, Father, also for the people who read the Bible, who claim they are Christians, that are in different denominations, but there will be some who are sincere with you. There are some who want the truth and who seek the truth. Lord, please allow them to find you, to find you, and to find the path and to follow down that upright path. Bless all these people who cry out to you and seek you, all those who do so with a sincere heart, with a spirit that is open to hear you and serve you. Thank you, eternal God. Thank you, Holy Father. Your mighty hand, Lord, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, your mighty hand, healing, healing all illness, disease, removing evil spirits, removing witchcraft and sorcery and curses, healing of all diseases. And Lord, please remember all the brothers and the sisters who are in, who are in intensive care and who cry out to you and asking for another opportunity to live. Lord, have mercy. In the name of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, we thank you for the healings and the deliverance. Thank you for your miracles. Thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Blessed is the name of the Lord. Praises and glorified be to our Lord. Toma por favor mi mano, Señor. Contigo quiero ir Con sangre aquí Pagaste por mí Te quiero hoy servir Anhelo poder Lo malo vencer Y en sangre 
Señor, mi mano, Señor, contigo quiero ir. Con sangre aquí pagaste por mí. Te quiero hoy servir. Blessed and praised is the name of the Lord. Thanks be to our God. May my God bless you all greatly. I love you with all of my heart. And many hugs to you all. And kisses for the children. God bless you and until next time.